Hello guys and welcome back to the podcast. I am Will Mapley and this is episode five. Five. <laughs> <laughs> wow, amazing. I am Chloe and today on the podcast we have coach Ben with us. Um, Ben's going to tell us a little bit about himself and we're going to be talking maybe a little bit about some health things, intermittent fasting. Um, I would like to preface this podcast with the fact that Will and I have very high anxiety right now because Ben did just jump out <laughs> from the shadows of our podcast uh, recording studio. <laughs> My heart so, is pounding. Yes, yes. I don't know how long we'll live for. We might have heart attacks. Wow. And <laughs> longer. Longer. You'll live for longer. That's what we're talking about. You got us good. You did yes. get us good. Yes. Um, so, Ben, introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Ben Snell. I'm personal trainer at Dream Fitness. Uh, I've been here basically almost since we started. Um, so I've been a trainer since 2014. Um, and yeah, I've been uh, loving health and uh, fitness for most of my life. I'm pretty interested in it. Um, been exercising for most of my life, pretty much since I was about three or four years old, doing lots of exercise and different things, lots of sports. And um, yeah, one of the major things that I obviously love doing here is um, chatting to you guys and hopefully explain a few things that I like to do. You may think a bit weird, but hopefully we can go a few of those today. <laughs> Absolutely not we are excited excited we're excited to hear what you have to tell us we're today get you on a nice bath will <laughs> yeah let's do it we said about this the other day we're definitely next, doing it next we're, podcast we're in a nice bath <laughs> bye guys <laughs> and chloe as well don't think you're getting out of it ben yeah. is also starting his own uh podcast chill with ben one episode has already been recorded with his brother sam um, and he's budding to try and get me in the ice bath, but so far I am yet to be convinced. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it'll be a full full podcast, but it's uh, well, at something least quite an fun. IGTV. Yeah, at least mm. a, a little video. It's quite fun, I think. See see people you know in ice, see how they react. Um, but yeah, it'd be fun. Get the whole team on there, I reckon. Imagine a forty minute podcast of you in ice, like by the end of it, oh yeah, got it. See you guys. <laughs> Freezing cold. An absolute ice cube. Will is non-responsive. Will hasn't replied for the last thirty minutes. Mate, I did. I mean, I know it was like the 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 height of the summer, but every day through June, I went into the sea every single day. Yeah. And uh, I got obviously used to it, but I just remember like. I'd probably be in there for a good, let's say, six, seven minutes. And by that time, every mm. single time, doesn't matter, obviously, I got used to it, I'd go straight in by mm. the end. But every single time, I could only last for about five, six, seven minutes mm. before I was just, like, shivering. And mm. Do you know when you go, when you get so cold that sometimes you feel a little bit, like, dizzy? Mm. Probably, like, pre-hypothermic, really. Mm. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just used to get so cold. Yeah. So cold really quickly. But I suppose because I've got quite low body fat, potentially that might be, be a reason. Yeah. But, and also, if you're not moving that much, and probably as well, that I know the UKC doesn't really go much above like 18, so you probably would be like if you stayed in there for a long enough time. Yeah. Hypothermic, so. Bloody hell. Yeah. Bloody hell. Let's go back on track. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, why you got into fitness and why you got into to training. Obviously, um, there are some reasons potentially why you did get into um, yeah. personal training or even into fitness or even into good nutrition because obviously yep. you're plant based. Um, so what uh, what was your reason for coming in and, and starting your your uh, obviously fitness journey? So yeah, um, throughout my life, most of the time I've usually been pretty fit. Um, I've never been like, uh, especially growing up, I was always active, doing lots of things. Most of our holidays, most of my days were spent doing something. So it'd be cycling, bike, um, running, doing some kind of sports. So I did a lot of like racket sports, squash, tennis. Uh, climbing, uh, did a lot of basketball, um, a lot of water sports, swimming, so I kind of stuck my hand in everything really. Um, one of the major ones that stuck for me was basketball, so I always had a pretty good kind of um, anaerobic fitness and um, again kind of loved the the um, intensity of basketball and as a sport like you say if you're doing lots of different um, training sessions and lots of different games each week it was pretty good overall fitness and I used to find that I was generally pretty fit and when we did things like bleep tests at school and stuff like that, I was one of the fitter ones so it kind of gave me a good self-esteem of being a fitter person, that was kind of what I was known as in the school, like a generally fitter 
and uh, especially as you get older, you try your hands at different things. So I did lots of kayaking, climbing, snowboarding, surfing, do a lot of stand-up paddleboarding. Uh, and all these sports are kind of require good overall general fitness. So especially as motivations go, staying healthy just for just you know health's sake, but staying healthy so I can do those sports that I love is probably one of my major motivations. Um, but yeah, um, being plant-based, I've uh, been vegetarian or vegan for the last five years now, I think, and then vegetarian about a year before that. Um, and yeah, that's that's been really good. Um, that kind of stemmed from um, experience that I had when I was a bit younger, because I used to, do, when I was younger, um, I always used to get kind of an acid reflux when I was do sport or like after certain meals or it'd take certain meals a long time to kind of digest and coming from like a sport background it was always like protein you need to recover you need high carbohydrate meals massive meals if you're gonna you know fuel this body and I always used to kind of think oh that's just a natural thing um, but then looking at some of my idols and what they were kind of looking uh, look, looking at some of my idols and what they were eating it was totally different to what I was eating um, so I started to switch up my diet feel better um, I, my acid reflux used to kind of um, be quite prevalent when I was eating meat and then as soon as I stopped that it kind of almost went away. Um, I started introducing a lot of smoothies and plant-based foods into my life and, and again that really helped my energy level so that's probably one of the major reasons just for energy and performance I saw a dramatic increase in improvement when I did change my diet to a plant-based diet. Yeah which is incredible isn't it you know that you actually because some people go in and and they go okay I'll, I want to become vegan or I want to become vegetarian, mm. but sometimes they don't necessarily have a reason why they are going into it, which is sometimes probably why they get quite lost within the vegetarian, veganism kind of yeah. um, earth or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. um, I think it's really cool that you could actively see the difference of mm. when you, you did eat meat and when you didn't eat meat and the difference of what it gave to you and, and how it helped you. So it's really interesting to, yeah. to see that actually the benefit that you have gained from, from becoming vegetarian, becoming vegan, coming yeah. forward. Yeah, I think that um, the, the reason behind changing the diet as well, because it was from a, a health perspective, a health benefit, um, rather than from a weight loss mm. spectrum, which a lot of people, um, they kind of get, there's a lot of misunderstanding around, you know, the vegan diet, the vegetarian diet, oh, I'm going to lose weight if I go vegan. Yeah. Um, but obviously, ultimately, it entirely depends on what you're eating and mm. how much. Yeah. It doesn't matter what food you're eating, you know, it's that calorie deficit, it's the, the age-old tale of, of calorie deficit that, that dictates that versus, you know, how you're eating per se so um i think it's always good to mention that but what you said to me as well is that you know you can you can be vegetarian or you can be vegan but you aren't necessarily healthy mm -hmm. there are some very unhealthy vegan mm -hmm. vegetarian alternatives mm -hmm. that probably are obviously you're not eating meat but probably mm -hmm. are just as bad for you or just as bad for your body yeah. um so choosing something that's that's mm -hmm. quite nutritious uh, or people kind of go into into mm. it thinking, yeah, I want to become vegan and vegetarian because I know it's going to help me lose weight and become healthier. But alternatives mm. aren't always that good for you. Could you say? I mean, I, yeah. I'm, obviously, I'm not necessarily. I I, I go off just a, a yeah. meat eating diet, but obviously, you guys are, are fully into it. So mm. it's you know there there is a difference between being vegan and being healthy a healthy vegan and being an unhealthy vegan mm. yes yeah. yeah so like like Holly kind of just said you have that difference between like vegan kind of says what you don't eat because a vegan person would not necessarily consume any eggs meat uh, dairy anything produced by an animal or yeah. from an animal uh, and you probably wouldn't wear it you probably wouldn't want it in your house so that kind of says almost about your lifestyle but you know, it, Oreos are vegan, so if you ate Oreos and you had vegan pizza, it's got no animal products in, but you probably wouldn't be like the healthiest person. Yeah. Whereas plant-based, is that's usually the misconception, is plant-based diets, you can have a plant-based diet, and usually those are seen, or those are the ones that are studied the most, where they are uh, using generally things like pulses, beans, lentils, that kind of stuff, vegetables, fruits, rather than like highly processed foods yeah. that are still vegan but 
uh, plant-based diet is generally healthier from, yeah. from most of the scientific research and most of the research that kind of comes out. Most nutritionists would kind of argue towards that and go, everyone knows vegetables are pretty healthy, yeah. fruits are pretty healthy, beans, legumes. If you look at blue zones around the world where people are live the longest, they all have one thing in common. They all eat beans and legumes and stuff like that. High protein, plant-based uh, protein, um, high in fiber, um, improve the gut bacteria, gut flora. Those kind of things in general are good, are going to lead to a good overall health. Um, whereas obviously, depending on what other foods you eat, you know, you can still eat pretty healthy, even if you do obviously have like, if you eat uh, meat, but generally they will incorporate those types of things. So you'll have vegetables and fruits, a good kind of overall um, ratio of all of those other yeah. things as well. And it won't be too much of the, you know, the higher density calories as such, unless you're doing loads and loads of exercise. Yeah. Because you said to me before, didn't you, Chloe? I remember there isn't there two sides to being there's like plant based and then there's vegan or or kind of what was it that you were yeah, saying? So um, as um, Ben was mentioning, you've got a whole food plant based diet, which is what he's sort of mentioning there. So yeah, stuff that comes from the ground, grows on the trees. You know, um, you're looking at the whole food versus obviously your processed foods. Yeah. Which um, again, there can be vegan, um, you know, like a vegan burger or vegan sausages right. or those types of foods are great um, as a replacement. Um, you know, if you if we if we want a burger, we're going to have a vegan burger. You know, we're still going to enjoy those things, yeah. but we know mm. uh, to have those every single day wouldn't benefit us and our health because it's a highly processed food. So it might be made from um, soy or it might be made from some kind of like plant protein or something along those lines but because of the processing it then it, you know it's an equally as unhealthy as maybe a mcdonald's burger let's yeah. say for argument's sake mm -hmm. um obviously without the, the nutritional content in front of you mm -hmm. you couldn't say exactly versus maybe um i don't know let's say a homemade bean burger that you know you've just mashed up some black beans you've put in loads of um, seasoning and you've made that yourself, that's obviously going to be a little bit healthier yeah. than uh, you know a store-bought pre-made food. So you could still consider a homemade bean burger a whole food product yeah. that's vegan versus obviously that store-bought stuff. So yeah, plant-based is looking at eating as whole whole uh, as whole, much whole foods as possible yeah. versus eating a lot of kind of pre-made food essentially. So as little processing as possible, um, obviously where where possible, because it's not always, um, yeah. you can't always be 100%. Sometimes, like I say, you might want a burger, you might want a pizza. Um, but yeah, just that that's the difference between those two. You could be a quote-unquote junk food vegan and eat chips, Coke, Oreos. Because um, they're still vegan. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, there's, you know, there's chocolate digestives mm. and there's chocolate and there's still all because now the spectrum of veganism f and f their foods available is is massive yeah. um you can still get all the things that you would get on a standard diet um but in vegan form essentially because mm. this is the misconception isn't it you know people people say or, or the people that don't quite understand why people become vegan mm. and the health benefits of being vegan the misconception is that no, you've got to eat meat because you've got to get your protein, you've got to get your B12, you've got to get your iron, you've got to get all these kind of things. I think it is the misconception that you know you can still be a vegan, mm. but you're still going to be unhealthy. Are you going to transition to a uh, a healthy vegan diet? Are you still going to get those kind of things in your diet if you're not eating or you're not educating yourself enough to be able to be like, okay, so I know that that's got good iron, mm. I know that that's high in protein, you know, so. It definitely is a misconception that people think that you need to... Obviously, I eat meat myself. I eat meat myself. But what I'm saying is, is there is definitely a misconception to, to people thinking that you can't get everything off of a, of a vegan diet. Mm. I, think, I think there's... It depends the way you look at it because there's... Sometimes people think that um, if you eat meat and your general diet, like you're, you won't be deficient in anything. But most like in most countries, they have some kind of deficiency, depending on... like how unless you're really specific in getting all these nutrients and vitamins and, yeah. and micronutrients in then unless you're thinking about them then you probably might be deficient in some things and it's not always a bad thing to be deficient because naturally our bodies have adapted over 
millennia to be deficient in some things and again our body makes some things some things our body doesn't make and our body does adapt if it doesn't get a certain amount for sports performance obviously protein being a big one making a major impact into muscle growth recovery these important things when you're looking to improve your performance um but obviously when you can get them uh, a full spectrum of amino acids say from a particular meat you can get that full spectrum of amino acids from all plant-based yeah. foods so you know um, you could have uh, what could be one it could be rice and beans for instance that would give you pretty much a full spe uh, spectrum there of amino acids and if as long as you include or hit a certain calories wise you'll probably get a similar amount of protein it's just usually not as dense as the meat based um, the meat based alternative yeah so that's again it's from my perspective as well it's a little bit easier to not eat as many calories you can still get your protein you can still get um you know everything you need but not consume as many calories whereas if you were to like most people if you look at a plate of dinner or say it's a lunch or whatever the meat is generally going to be the most calorie dense part in that and the um, biggest yeah and the biggest yeah and a lot of people think oh it hasn't got me on hasn't got any protein in well your rice does have protein you know like your beans have protein your peas have protein if you have some other vegetables in there as well broccoli whatever it may be you can actually fill up quite a lot of protein in a plate that's just plant-based and also you get to eat more which is good Get to, like fill to up. <laughs> yeah, get to fill up yeah. a bit don't more. Know that, though. People, yeah. people yeah. don't know that. And people that do say um, that you know, you've got to eat meat because you've got to get all this nutrition in, are they going to have those kind of, are they going to be nutritionally complete themselves? Yeah. You know? yeah. are, is the diet that they are leading right now, mm -hmm. is that giving them the, the most amount of nutrition that mm -hmm. they could properly gather? Probably not. I think in the UK, I think there's. Uh, they estimate that quite a lot of people do have a vitamin C deficiency and also a vitamin D deficiency. Because wow. we spend a lot of time inside, not many people get that much vitamin D. Um, vitamin C obviously you can get from a lot of plants. Um, uh, there's magnesium, calcium deficiencies that people have. Although they think they like drink milk and different things, there's a lot of things about milk and dairy products that leach calcium from the body. So having calcium from say like green vegetables it's going to be a little bit more effective and absorbed better um but yeah like you say just because you you eat one way doesn't mean you're not deficient or that because you eat a certain way that you are going to be deficient mm. so yeah. and i think another thing you mentioned obviously the b12 side of things that's always a good one to pull up because um you would automatically a lot of people automatically assume the only place you can get that is from an animal because yeah they have a capability to produce their own B12. But that being said, they are also a lot of the time deficient in it and they are topped up with a B12 supplement that's within their food because obviously they're not eating naturally in the farming styles that we have now. Um, if you, like yourself, have your own allotment and yeah. you have control of the way in which your soil is um rotated refertilized with old plant food and you know the different stuff that you're growing um like you're doing with your natural i can't remember what it's called uh no dig so you do it for no dig bedside, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so it's all you know you put your layers down and all that kind of stuff obviously that will then re um uh i don't know how how to say it but basically put the nutrients back in the soil completes the cycle so yes. it, it completes a cycle so what you're doing every time you're digging into the soil you're taking up bacteria mm. etc that is microflora whatever you want to call it is in that soil mm. that things like worms and other microorganisms are going to be feeding off mm. so every time you dig that up every time you rotate that soil you're now exposing that and they're now dying mm. Worms yeah. come to the surface, they get eaten by birds, whatever. That's a natural process anyway. Mm. But what you're doing is you're destroying that microclimate underneath the soil. Mm. So what you want to try and do is to, to complete that cycle is you put cardboard down, you water the cardboard, you put stuff, new stuff on top. So say like rotting manure, you can put uh, old plants on it, you can put whatever it is. And then you put stuff back on top, you put another thing of cardboard on there, let that rot down. What will happen is the, the, the cardboard will then rot down alongside with the, the uh, plant and all the matter, and then you've got a new cycle. Because what happens is with, obviously, supermarket-bought stuff is, because it's such 
uh, a high scale that they're building um, product, mm. the nutrition will then be lower because there's less stuff in the soil that then can help to turn around, exactly. isn't it? So it's a lot quicker. Exactly, and that's the thing that I was going to bring up in a second. You know, is is that the things that are now shop bought are they as nutritionally dense as what they would be if you if you grew them? Do you think? Um, I think obviously because I know obviously through consumerism, like people want things certain colors, people want things certain shapes. Like um, carrots used to be like purple yeah. is a classic one. Um, and you can still buy purple carrots, but not many people buy them. They think carrots are orange, and they're originally carrots were originally grown for medicinal purposes. Yeah. Whereas to grow them faster, like you said, to grow them quicker and bigger, so people think they're getting more value for their money. Whereas a little tiny purple carrot, people may not see value in that, but right. there may be super loads of value in the micronutrients in there. But massive. We're like looking at size, and I want the orange one, and I want the cleanest one. I want well, obviously, maybe that's been potentially genetically modified maybe it's had loads of chemicals sprayed over it or maybe the, the soil quality isn't that good been purely based on size but the quality of the food inside yeah. is not is not that great so yeah um food yeah i think it's um obviously mate maybe you don't know but I, it's just a, it's just an interesting question that i just mm. thought mm. could yeah, be yeah. because if you think if you taste if you taste say a massive carrot it doesn't really taste like much you know last year or sorry this year grew carrots they're a hell of a lot smaller mm. probably more concentration yeah, they're yeah. a lot smaller but they taste a hell of a lot better mm. they look uh, weird you know mm. they're all like spindly and mm. there's bits coming off of it and yeah. whatever but it tastes better mm. and you know if you bought uh, a massive carrot from from say let's say Sainsbury's or Morrison's they don't really taste like much personally I don't mm. think so after obviously I've grown my own mm. but do you reckon there is a less because that's been genetically modified or forced to become bigger that takes out that nutritional value? Yeah, potentially. I know obviously when they um, when you focus on uh, certain things because obviously they're they're focused on like usually weight, so they buy the carrots in weight. Yeah. Um, they're not looking at like each carrot and like how many how much vitamins has this one got, how much minerals has this one got. They're just purely focused on like the size usually. Yeah. And the weight and that's how they buy them so and as consumers that's usually how we buy them like a kilo we don't buy uh carrots by the amount of i don't know say vitamin k yeah. they've got in or whatever so you you take away that um importance of it when you focus obviously on weight and stuff like that but um yeah it is important to to bear in mind like obviously where your food comes from um obviously you know people that make say those foods they're trying to get them more effectively to you, they're trying to produce them cheaper because cheaper the food, more affordable it is. So it's not always, um, you know, as beneficial for you as as you might think. And that's yeah. sometimes when the more expensive food or the foods that's almost been touched less, so more organic foods, although they cost more, it's probably because their processes um, not don't necessarily cost more, but because the other processes drive it down so so cheap because you lose maybe nutritional quality as well. Yeah, obviously it takes a lot longer, as you well know. We obviously have grown our own um, vegetables as well over the last couple of years. Um, obviously, the the time span it takes. You know, we don't we don't um, eat seasonally anymore mm. in the realm of supermarkets no. and well, no way. as you say, consumerism. So there isn't that time process of okay, so it's summer now, so we're going to live more on fruits and things that are ready now mm. and then in the autumn you know i always remember harvest festival that was like the root vegetables and you know all that kind of stuff um mm. i say harvest festival because i went to a church school but <laughs> that's what we kind of did at that time yeah, you know yeah. you get your carrots out and all this kind of stuff and you donate food and mm. i remember sweet corn and you know all those types of things they were ready at that time um and that, that sort of thing. But yeah, like you say about the kind of natural soil processes, are, if they're sped up, like you say, you are whipping away probably a good amount of time of, yeah, of um, you know, nutri nutrient um, sort of absorption into the soil. That's interesting about the, um, the bacteria, obviously when you turn it up, you take it away from the soil. I didn't know that. That's yeah. really fascinating. Because well, you're killing, you're, you're 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 killing all the good bacteria that's mm. in. Obviously, they the they soil. have their own subculture, don't they? Absolutely. So, yeah, that's um that's quite an interesting point actually, mm. because obviously we know that B twelve is a bacteria that's made naturally in the soil, um, 
and that's where kind of that's what I was trying to get at earlier with with that side of things it should be in the soil but for the pastures or and you know the land that they're growing vegetables and maybe animals on it probably doesn't have that in there anymore yeah. because of pesticide use and chemicals and massive the fast rotation whereas maybe in your own back garden if you can have a little plot to grow a few things you know it's it's maybe it's going to taste better it might, you might look different like you say you know your carrots don't all grow uniformly because you've got different things in your soil that might stop them and you know actually maybe they are growing normally but we i guess we're quite out of touch with what's normal yeah. now because we haven't seen the process for so long obviously this is a process that's been been around for a little while but through generations obviously you've always been taught to dig up your soil make sure you like chop it to make sure it's nice and small and soft so that your vegetables can go and can grow and grow big and you know and actually now they're finding that soil is 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 really degrading in quality because mm of the mass production of, of fruits and vegetables, the mass production of farming. Uh, obviously, watched all those kind of documentaries on Netflix that are all about veganism and stuff, and you see, don't you, you know, people are breaking down the forest, mm. the woodlands everywhere to, to put things on for, mm. for pasture, for cows or for other things, and that is degrading that soil and making it so it's less fertile. Mm. Um, Less biodiverse. Exactly. Like the more the more modern technique or, or the gen or our generation. Obviously, I've learned only through looking at YouTube and things of how can I effectively grow stuff. Mm. Only through the research of me looking at modern or more modern techniques that that are done on a smaller scale, have I learned how to to, to do the no dig. Mm. Uh, obviously, it's been there for ages, but people don't necessarily do it. Mm. You go down the allotment. Bet your bottom dollar you see every, everyone between the ages of 60 and 80 mm. digging up their soil. Mm. 100%, 100%. Mm. Every single season they do it. Every single season. Without doubt. Yeah, you know what you say, it's, it's um, crazy, isn't it? It's yeah. crazy. We're we're gonna get uh, Will round to our garden. He's gonna be our, <laughs> our honorary gardener once we start growing some some things. Because obviously we um, we've just recently. Um, purchased a house and that that garden has sat for for a long time. Yeah, although I mean your soil is probably really fertile, hasn't been touched. Yeah, it's, it's definitely good. been turned over a little bit now, though. We yeah, obviously yeah. Um, we dug it all up, so you know potentially there's a lot of um, nutrient value in there. I always think, and mm. uh, you know we've we've grown a, a few plants and things like that now, which have done done pretty well in some yeah. areas and not so well in others. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the the vegetables go. But we're just kind of you know trying to let let nature do its bit and do our part as well. You know try and get a few veggies on the go, some yeah. fruits. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Mm. Of course. Let's go back to obviously about your, uh, you said about your acid reflux earlier, didn't you? Mm. What kind of things did you initially start eating and getting yourself into to get your your reflux down? Or what, what methods did you did you use to, to help yourself? So with that, because it was uh, quite often, I'd have it quite often in the evenings or post-lunch kind of thing, it would usually be after a slightly bigger meal. And again, these meals weren't necessarily like uh, as good as they are today for me. But again, they would have usually some kind of uh, a meat, a carbohydrate, and then some kind of a vegetable. But I'd usually find my acid reflux was quite bad. And I know a couple of my friends that had similar types of things, so they had quite bad acid reflux. But instead of thinking, oh, I need to change my diet, they'd just go for, I can't remember what it is, like maybe like a, a pill or something like that that hopefully stops that. Cool, isn't it? Chalk. Yeah, yeah. chalk or... They would reach for like a Gavascon or something like that, or I think it begins with a Z. But I know one of my friends used to have it after probably every meal. So to me, that was quite strange that he was just like, that's daily yeah. life. I've got to have that after every meal. So, yeah, I looked at um, just some people. So there's a pro surfer called Kelly Slater. And um, he's like, a, I think he's like late 40s now, but he was kind of competing against these younger um, generation. He was just talking about how he had a very similar thing. And when he changed his diet to a more plant-based style diet, or predominantly eating like say 95% plant-based, 5% animal products, he found that the acid reflux went away. Crazy, so when I heard this, obviously when you see like someone that you um, look up to, an idol or something like that, you go, oh, I'm gonna try this. I started having more smoothies because he was saying like that's one of the ways that he helped um, get micronutrient dense food into his, into his body. 
He was using things like chia, he was having a lot of blended vegetables, things like kale that you'd never necessarily eat on your own, or if you if you didn't know how to cook kale, you'd just be like, oh, I just won't have it in there. Um, I know many, many of my friends even now, you know, early 30s, they won't cook kale, they won't put much greens in their food, whereas obviously in the smoothie, you can blend it all up, it's all in there, and then you can make it taste nice with some fruit or, Stick a banana in there, some berries. I know Chloe doesn't necessarily like uh, too too many Not too green many ones. Vegetables, no. <laughs> I, I like can't. to eat my vegetables. Fair I enough. would prefer to eat them, but as you say, you can fit in maybe more vegetables into a smoothie and drink it versus you know eat a hot, half a head of broccoli, for example. Which yeah, I, I mean, yeah. to be fair, I probably quite happily do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. I prefer a fruitier smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't bad. There's nothing wrong with a fruitier smoothie. But like like you said, I know for a lot of people that, um, even a lot of clients that I speak to over the years, a lot of them don't even get two to three vegetables in per day. And that's fruits and vegetables. So even just as a way of getting more fruits and vegetables, sometimes in a smoothie you can get, you know, almost five different vegetables and fruits in there. And if you're having one or two of those a day, you're almost hitting a kind of ten. And obviously in the UK we have a kind of eat five fruits and veggies a day kind of thing, but in different countries it's different. I know in France they have a goal of hitting seven, in Canada it's hitting about ten. So depending on what country you live in, changes your recommendations from your government on what they recommend you should eat. That is crazy, isn't it? Mm. So People it, don't even eat two pieces of vegetable or, or fruits a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a lot of people like if you're eating say like uh, I don't know say an average say even westernised diet could be uh, I don't know shreddies or something like that or say frosties for breakfast um, could be a piece of toast and then for lunch it might be like a sandwich something like that but in that sandwich you might you might have like two pieces of lettuce and then you might have a bag of crisps. I know a lot of people that go in office work, that is their like, yeah, normal lunch. A sandwich and a little chocolate bar or yeah, some biscuit a little or chocolate bar, exactly, yeah. biscuit. That was a classic pack lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they might have a banana um, or an apple, something like that, and then they come home and it'd be a dinner. And if your dinner is, say, predominantly, might have a little bit of vegetables on there, there but you think, actually, how much veg did you eat in a day? How much fibre have you eaten in that day? Um, yeah, when you look at it and you kind of toss it up in a week, you go, actually, I've barely eaten any vegetables or yeah. fruits. And these super healthy things that are going to give you those phytonutrients, micronutrients that really do power your body and give you loads of energy on a, on a mitochondria level. Yeah. Um, if you're not getting in them, you're just really hitting like a kind of roughly macro kind of carbs, proteins, fats, and not really thinking about, you know, your vegetables so much. No wonder you're going to start to feel fatigued no wonder your your performance might start to decrease you know so lots of um people i know definitely aren't getting enough so these five fruits and vegetables a day is this done off of grams that they have to eat per day do you know what the grammage is that they have to eat per day of because obviously you can't just eat one blueberry and be like oh that's one one five a day it's usually portions so portions, it's usually okay, like cool. a certain amount of weight or a certain like an apple or an apple and a half something's like a portion okay um a certain amount of blueberries is like a portion for instance yeah it's going to vary fruit to fruit yeah, yeah, yeah of course or veg to veg yeah. of course so you can't just eat like six bananas and be like i've had six pieces of fruit yeah because you haven't Technically, yeah. you've only had a variety for, is the yeah. spice of life. Variety, <laughs> different colours, you know, different textures, different vitamins and minerals in different colours. So, yeah, like Chloe said. A lot variety. of people do do that though, don't they? Like they, they don't necessarily know what a portion or what the five fruits and vegetables are per day. They just think, oh, I'm going to eat a potato and that's like one of my five a day or, or whatever. Mm. There's not necessarily like, there's no education on it it's just like cool eat your five fruits and vegetables per day mm. okay what is that five fruits and vegetables like what is that in terms of kilos mm. grams a I portion th mm. i think the thing is just to try and get people to eat more so if you ate like one apple one banana i don't know a couple of, a, ha a handful of strawberries something like that you're already getting on a good kind of yeah. roll um rather than like you've got to weigh it out 50 grams of strawberries yeah, or something yeah. like that so yeah. I think okay. it's just an idea really a handful isn't it like they'd probably say for, mm. for something like a blueberries or strawberries or whatever it'd probably be like a, a handful or, yeah. or whatever yeah. but it's, you know people yeah. don't know this you know, yeah. people don't don't know what, what a what a five fruit a day portion would be mm. yeah I don't think there's you know it's not like you have to be super anal about it and just no, go, no, of course. right I've got to hit these numbers but generally if you're eating if you eat 
there's a really cool um, piece of information that you can kind of go and download and I found this through a few years ago on nutritionalfacts.org and it's called um, Dr. Gregor who's a nutritional um, doctor. Uh, he runs like basically he does videos and talks about nutrition basically daily a bit like this he does a podcast he does a video and he breaks it down quite simply um, nutritional studies for the average joe so he can kind of explain like what these nutritional studies mean how they affect your life rather than just looking at data and go well that that makes no sense to me yeah he kind of broke it down into what the average person needs to eat per day and he has a, a little checklist that you can kind of tick off it's called his daily dozen and it's got say three leafy green vegetables then it's got two cruciferous ones and then it's got say like uh one or two berries in there and then you could kind of go down the checklist and then it's a much better way at getting more specific um, yeah. you know on your nutrition um it's got things like how much fiber you ate um seeds nuts all these things and as you go down if you ate all those things you'll be in a pretty healthy position and that is based all on his well on the most up-to-date nutritional research really um, he updates it every year, he brings out a book, he's got one called How Not to Die, How Not to Diet, um, all these things are like, you know, totally backed by evidence um, in the back of his book, almost half the book is references from nutritional studies or other people's work and it is, yeah, it's pretty, as far as nutrition goes, if you want some evidence, that's a pretty good place to start, yeah. nutritionalfacts.org. I think people do need guidance. Nutrition, it's not nutritional. Oh, okay. Just in case anyone wants to look at it. <laughs> I think it's good that people give, uh, people need guidance. Mm. People need guidance. So having like a, a checklist that you can, can tick off to say, okay, so I've had this on the day, I've had that on today, okay, cool. Mm. So this is what I've eaten in the day. I know that I know every single thing that I've eaten and I know that I'm being healthy. You know, when, when people start tracking their calories, I don't know about you guys, do you guys get your clients to track calories at all? Yeah, it depends on what they, they yeah. want to do, really. Because I found that when people start tracking their calories a little bit, they actually kind of realise what they're eating. Mm. And I think people do become very food blind, where they just, they, they get into a routine, mm. they call whatever's on the grab, or whatever they want for dinner, they'll eat. And when you actually start getting them to look into what they're eating, they kind of realise, oh, actually, Jesus, I was actually eating quite a lot, or mm. Jesus Christ, I was eating quite badly mm. you know I think it's a really good thing to get people to, to have a have a checklist or, or look at the kind of things that they are eating um, because it's going to help help them you know they get into a routine and that routine is just strict every single day they don't quite realize what they what they're eating yeah yeah like you say if you don't have a plan and most like a lot of people they would just go into places grab food on the go I know so many people that just they go into town, they grab something, they pop to Greg's, and a lot of their food ends up being kind of beige, you know, like their breakfast was beige and their lunch was also beige. It was <laughs> the sound of running water <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> Apologies. Sorry, carry on. That's all right. <laughs> but yeah, like they're just kind of almost surviving rather than thinking like, what what should I have? What do I need? A lot of people just like grabbing food, get calories, like grab a sausage roll, grab a donut, that'll fill me up for a, a minute or two and then I'll get home and then I'll have grab this or I can't be able to cook so I'll, I'll take out this or I'll put a microwave thing in rather than thinking about what have I had today, how am I going to feel once I've eaten this, you know, the quality of that food it is, um, yeah, you have to want to do it as well, you know, of course, you can't, of course. no one can tell you, you have to want to do it, um, just like any nutritional change, like no one can kind of, you know, like we talked about earlier on about being plant-based or vegan, no one can tell you like, oh, be vegan, you have to want to do it on your own, same as if you want to lose weight, it's all it's all good and your friend's kind of saying, oh, maybe you should lose weight, but no one's going to change you unless you do. It's the same with nutrition. You know, you got to want to make good changes and good choices. Absolutely. I think that's really important as well to to have people changing the way that they eat. You know, and, and what you just said, you said there is people or, or let's say other trainers may go for, okay, so I want to hit these calories. I don't care what you eat. I want to hit these calories. And is that complete nutrition or is that something that's just going to be a, a spiral for the rest of their life? Because you're not changing habits, are you? You're not changing the way that they're eating. You're just changing how much they eat for them to lose weight. Mm. And surely that's not complete nutrition. That's not changing your lifestyle for the better. That's just helping you efficiently lose weight, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, like you say, that's, that's, um, it's, it's going to be personal depending on, um, like you say, 
the trainer and what they their sort of um, their knowledge is because you only know what you know. Yeah. You know, you can only know what you've been taught. So you have a basic primary school, secondary school knowledge, and then you again you have to go and find the information yourself. Um, if a client's goal is is weight loss, then obviously you know we we all know that the calories in versus calories yeah. out is is the kind of the foundational number one most important thing. Um, I know obviously because we look a little bit more into the nutrition that side of thing I know that we're quite passionate about so we always want people to feel as good as possible and be as healthy as possible yeah. um, and not maybe have you know some some side effects of not so good nutrition but um, yeah I mean each each trainer has their own sort of technique so if that's what it takes I think to get a client you know maybe doing the weight loss portion of things first and then maybe they can look into making those other changes second and that's you know, that's yeah. always a, an option. Yeah, absolutely. No, like, like I say, taking small little steps, because especially as you're trying to change, you can't change everything, but taking small little steps, so starting with macros, and then once you can get your head around that, that's that's like an improvement, you've made that improvement, then start making like little switches to increase, uh, you know, uh, synergy between food, so getting food combinations that work well together in certain meals, and then getting better combinations or high levels of say um, vitamins and minerals that your body isn't quite hitting so you can start to think about right how much am I hitting my required magnesium naturally or am I eating enough say cashews or am I getting enough food into from that so am I getting enough sorry magnesium say from my food or do I need to supplement that or in my lifestyle is there anything that I do need to supplement with so obviously that's why Protein shakes are so popular, especially with people, because it's convenient. But you may not get that kind of um, that other benefits that food and a combination of food and synergy kind of makes within the body. Yeah, it's all about balance, isn't it? I suppose yeah. it's, it's all about balancing that. And I suppose also what is what is good for that person. You know, they might not react well to to changing their diet rapidly. So, yeah. like you said, changing yeah. it slowly yeah. is absolutely is going to be going to be really important. Obviously, we spoke earlier about fasting, didn't we? Intermittent fasting. Yeah. I remember, obviously, um, you talking about that. Um, what is it that you did in terms of intermittent fasting? Did it benefit, obviously, you of your um, your reflux and stuff? So I didn't do uh, only recently, probably in the last like couple of years, um, started doing like intermittent fasting. So. Intermittent fasting was something that I started looking into because um, I'm a little bit nerdy and I started looking into like longevity because I was quite passionate about um, how to live kind of healthier for longer and how you can make your body more effective as you get older. And I want to make sure that as I do age that my body, you know, wasn't aging faster because obviously you've seen maybe like, you know, there's 80 year olds that are still active and strong and really, really healthy. And then you could have an 80 year old that is not in good shape and you might even see that of like 50s and 40s so if you're looking after your body and learning as much as you can and from an early age from what i've read you know the more things that you can incorporate at a younger age the slower the aging process um, is going to affect your body and aging is a thing that will affect all of us but slowing it down and making it more effective uh, or slowing it down and making your body more effective and last longer yeah, is yeah. something that I've looked into and aging um, is directly one of the major things that they've looked at most of the studies that I've looked at and a guy called David Sinclair who studies longevity um, at Harvard um, yeah. he talks about how one of the major things that he first started looking at was yeast cells and when they gave the yeast cells less food the yeast cells lived a lot longer and then they moved on to rat studies and they've looked at uh, population studies. There's a group of people um, uh, that there's a calorie restriction society. People that eat less overall food yeah. live longer. They have a lot less problems, you know, a lot less diabetes, a lot less obesity in places where they restrict their food or they intermittent fast. And he was talking about how intermittent fasting is a little bit more adoptable because you don't have to just eat less food you can kind of eat less or zero food for a period of time and then kind of eat a whole load of food feel really satisfied like oh, i'm full and then go for a period of time where you're not eating so for myself i usually try and eat 
uh, about a four hour window. The, the normal one is six to eight. So the average person that uh, maybe tries intermittent fasting would have an eight hour window where they're gonna consume calories in that window. And then outside of that window, that 16 hours, they would consume nothing. Yeah. Um, so just water. Um, so you could get the same amount of calories that you usually do, um, which is for me, I eat my normal amount of calories that I usually would, but then I just have 20 hours not eating and I get my normal amount of calories into that four hour window. And to me, I feel amazing. Like in the morning, it takes a little while to get used to it. You might feel hungry, but to me, I feel amazing. Right now I'm fasted. I haven't eaten for the last, where are we? I haven't eaten for the last 19 hours. I feel great. My head's like really, really good. A lot of people talk about how cognitively they feel incredible. Um, they're, they're much sharper, much quicker. I know a lot of uh, the Greek philosophers, um, they always used to talk about fasting for mental strength and kind of uh, to be with it and also just to feel that energy that you might not feel if you're constantly giving your body glycogen. Again, also there's other benefits like, you know, your stomach is constantly working. If you're always eating, your, your stomach and your digestive system's always working. To give that a little bit of a rest, even just for 20 hours, makes such a difference. And uh, you can do obviously prolonged fasts of like three days, up to five days. Uh, and that can have a whole host of benefits from like autophagy in the, in the cellular level where your body starts breaking down old cells that aren't functioning correctly and utilizing those uh, parts of that cell that can still be used like the proteins of a cell and putting them into other cells so autophagy is something really good that you is, is good for a short amount of time you know fasting eventually if you don't eat any food um, it's obviously not good you know there's a definite thing that will happen if you don't eat food but a lot of people I speak to aren't so they're wary of it because obviously I know I spoke to Chloe before about if people do fasting, you can obviously have you know eating disorders, and obviously eating disorders aren't, aren't a good thing. But having a good relationship with not eating, I think, is a really positive one because it shows great control that you don't have to eat something. It shows great control that you can say, "No, I'm not going to eat something." And not eating something for a day won't do anything bad to you. You know, like especially for most of us in Westernized society, our kind of whole bodies are designed to be able to go for periods of time without eating. That's why we have body fat. And um, if you have a lot of body fat, it just means that you've got a lot of energy stored up for when there is a fast. And But if there's never a fast and you're never out of food, then you're always gonna have that body fat and it's always gonna be adding to the pile. So intermittent fasting has been shown multiple studies. It's a great way to help people lose weight. It's a great way to create a calorie deficit. Um, for sports performance, it's a great way to get um, uh, like improved um, uh, concentration um, there's a couple other benefits of uh, with fasting I don't know if you've ever heard of the one that I may have said it before in our previous one that we've done where the longest fast that ever happened was a guy that was I think he was a Scottish guy and he fasted for a year and a half no food just water so Again, you think that's insane. Most people think you can maybe last a month without food, but he lasted a year and a half without any food. And I will try and find it, but it's something like he was 450 pounds and he fasted for a year and he was 180 pounds by the end of it. Um, yeah, so like 120, he lost 125 kilos in one year. And doctors supported this. I can't remember when it was, probably in like the... 1960s I think but um, yeah check it out this guy did it many many people have done like long ones so they've done like 30 60 day fast um, fasting there's a clinics in America where you can go and you basically fast and you try and heal the body not that I'm advocating any of these things but just saying there are things out there where people last a lot longer than like a week and I've had clients in the past that have uh, I've given them information they felt amazing, um, they've done a little two, three day fast, they felt good. I know myself and um, Gary have done like a three day fast and felt really good afterwards. You know, like your body kind of just hits this whole nother level. Um, and uh, yeah, it's quite, quite interesting um, to kind of go through a fast if you've never done it, just for like even not eating for 16 hours. It's more discipline than actually, um, there will be some benefits, but they'll be like smaller. 
but not eating for 16 hours. It just shows like discipline with your body. And if you can show discipline with fasting, you could probably show discipline with exercise and nutrition and restraint and not eating certain things. So it gives you that kind of discipline that's almost required for life, really. I think um, going back to obviously the um, maybe people's kind of negative um, aspect of fasting, it's your mindset towards it. So if your reason behind a fast is because you think, I want to lose loads of weight and be really skinny and, um, you know, I'm not eating because I'm bad or if I eat these foods, I am bad, you know, that kind of reasoning behind it, that's when it's uh, not such a good thing. So you need to have a positive mindset towards it and yeah. like your mindset towards it is, you know, you wanted a little challenge for yourself. Like, could I not eat for three days? How would I feel, you know, yeah. if um, I come to that point and someone's saying, oh Ben, I know you're doing a three day fast, but go on, just have this, look at this pizza, you know, mm. waving a, a nice food that you maybe enjoy on the weekends in front of your face. It's that kind of, no, like I would like to do this, you know, see how I feel, can I make it? So that type of thing is, um, that's more of a positive kind of view behind it, not with the intent to kind of, it be a punishment for your body. It should be a, a good thing if you're going to venture down this kind of path yeah. um, versus the alternative. No, exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not necessarily for everyone. Some people like it. Um, I know a couple of people that I've talked to, some of my um, closest friends, they tried it and they didn't like it, but then also some people tried it and they really enjoy it. And it's uh, like we were talking about earlier on, it's a similar kind of thing of, a bit like in the gym, you're trying to push yourself, but also um, with fasting, the reason one of the, one of the reasons why I started to do it was there's longevity improvements that happen through something called the sirtuin pathway, where sirtuins um, within the body, basically through the, the, the process or the idea of hormesis, that when you stress your body a little bit, that it, a little bit of stress is good. Too much stress, you know, too much stress can be really bad. But a little bit of stress and allow that body to recover, it will allow it to make a stronger, healthier body over time. So the same principle of when you lift weights, you're stressing your muscles, you're actually breaking them down. On a cellular level, it's actually bad for the muscles because you're actually breaking down those muscles. But with enough time recovery, you know, that stress equals uh, plus rest equals um, uh, stress plus the rest equals, um, you know, improvement. You're going to see probably really good gains um, in, in strength training if you have enough rest. But if you don't have enough rest and you're just exercising all the time, you're going to become fatigued, you're going to get knackered, and you're actually not going to be any fitter. Whereas if you do have enough rest, then, and that same principle with fasting is that if you stress your body for 20 hours, no food, it will get better, it'll start producing, uh, becoming more efficient really. So, and, and building a body that is able to last longer and not just longer, be more effective when there is no food. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think that's a good place to finish because I know you're busy. <laughs> I know you're busy, but thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Let's go. Um, Chloe, do you have anything to add at all? No, nothing to add. No. Myself. No. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. No, no, it's good. Thanks for everyone listening. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add on that note? Yeah, if you have any questions about any of those things, just um, message the guys at Dream Fitness or message me. Um, if you have and any questions. <laughs> yeah, if you have any questions about fasting or um, nutritionalfacts.org, which is where I get a lot of the kind of up, most up-to-date information, just let me know or check them out. Thank awesome. you very much, guys, for listening. And we will see you very, very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>